0: That is the sound you never want to hear. It is the sound of a warning siren going off at a nuclear power plant. But whether you can hear that sound or not, we are all in the nuclear hot seat. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly news magazine keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear. My name is Libby Halevi. I'm the producer and host as well as a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island. So I know what it looks like when the experts get it wrong. The battle to keep San Onofre nuclear power plant closed continues its David and Goliath way, with a significant change of players at the NRC that promises to impact both the process and the resolution. To get an overview of where we stand now with the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and Southern California Edison's endless gamesmanship, Nuclear Hot Seat spoke with Gary Hedrick of San Clemente Green. He revealed some interesting shifts in the political landscape and revealed that a whopper of a book is in the pipeline. That interview and those details will be coming up in just a few minutes. Today is Tuesday, April second, 2013, and here is the week's nuclear news. Poor Arkansas. In a single day, they got hit with a massive oil leak from tar sands oil. And then, on Sunday, March 31st, the same day, they had an industrial accident at a nuclear power plant that killed one worker and injured eight others. A 500-ton, that's one million pound, generator fell as it was being moved out of the turbine building at Energy Corporation's Arkansas Nuclear One Power Plant in Russellville, Arkansas. An Energy spokes model gave a lot of gobbledygook about what was happening, but to cut through and get the true story, this from Ace Hoffman of the DAB safety team. He said, The generator fell on and broke a fire main, which caused equipment to short circuit. The short circuit caused a loss of off-site power to one electrical bus, that's what they called it, which forced the plant to use emergency diesel generator power. Fortunately, the emergency diesel generator properly kicked in, and also fortunately, the other reactor at the site was already shut down for refueling. Ace went on to say, This was a true cascade of terrifying events, which came distressingly close to causing a meltdown. According to Entergy, of course, they are saying that there was no radiation danger and there's no ongoing danger to the local community, That's what they always say at the beginning. We'll have to see whether that pans out over time. Meanwhile, a new study shows that when a nuclear plant shuts down, cancer rates go down. Researchers studying the incident rate of cancer for 20 years after the closing of a nuclear power plant have found a noticeable drop in cancer for women, children, and Hispanics. Closing the Rancho Seco nuclear reactor in California has prevented an estimated 4,319 cases of cancer in the past 20 years, according to a new study released on Thursday, March 28th, the 34th anniversary of Three Mile Island. Researched and written by Dr. Janet Sherman and Joe Mangano, they said, quote, These findings suggest that the closing of Rancho Seco reduced the risk to health for local residents. The study was published in the journal Biomedicine International. The most statistically significant reductions were in breast and thyroid cancers in women, two cancers that appeared more frequently in survivors of the nuclear bomb attacks on Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II. Researchers say that in the first decade after Rancho Seco's closing, the rate of childhood cancers like leukemia dropped 13.6%, while the rate in the rest of the state remained unchanged. Previous studies on the rates of cancer near eight closed nuclear reactors showed a 25 percent decrease in childhood cancers, while the national rate rose 0.5 percent in 10 years after the plants closed. In a side note, the Sacramento area, where Rancho Seco used to exist, now uses renewable energy to generate 21 percent of its power. We will have a link to that report in downloadable form at nuclearhotseat.com forward slash blog. A little bit of good news out of Canada. Environmental Minister E. Francois Blanchet of Quebec announced on March 28th that he had ordered an impact study on the exploration and development of uranium in the province. As a result, No certificate of authorization will be issued for the exploration or development of uranium in Quebec until the study is completed. Blanchette said he hopes aboriginal communities in Quebec's north will participate in these hearings. Oh, just try to stop the indigenous warriors of the Idle No More movement from taking place in this one. Marius Paul and the rest of you based in Saskatchewan, are you listening? I'm sure you've heard it already over to India, where a peaceful anti-nuke protest turned nasty when the police attacked. On March 28th, again, all of these actions keyed to the anniversary of Three Mile Island. More than 1,000 people gathered peacefully on the beach near the Kalpakam nuclear power plant in India. Organizers instructed people to sit on the sands and chant slogans. According to an eyewitness, it was a soft, well-behaved affair. However, nearly 650 people, including 200 women, were picked up by the police, and all are being threatened with jail time. The protesters were demanding an end to dumping of nuclear waste inside the Kalpakam premises, a freeze on any further expansion of nuclear facilities, and diversion of all produced electricity to the surrounding affected villages, which currently face power cuts because they don't have enough electricity. It's all being directed elsewhere. In Tokyo, on March 22nd, about 300 people protested the government's plan to remove three tents that have served as a rallying point for the anti-nuclear demonstrations in front of the industry ministry. As one of the protesters shouted, remove nuclear power plants first, the ministry, which oversees the nuclear industry, promised to seek a court order to remove the tents. These tents were so prominent and remain so prominent in our movement that information could be sent to them simply by saying, Anti-nuclear tents, Tokyo. A little bit of positive news out of Japan. Tohoku Electric Power Company said this past Thursday, again March twenty eighth, that it has decided to cancel its plan to build a new nuclear power station in Fukushima Prefecture. This is where, according to this article, anti-nuclear sentiment has gained ground in the aftermath of the nuclear disaster. Ha <laughs> You think? <laughs> Tohoku Electric had been preparing to build Nami Odaka nuclear power plant on attractive land straddling the city of Minamisoma and the town of Nami, both in Fukushima Prefecture on the Pacific coast. Fortunately, this disaster in the making has been avoided before it could even get off the ground. A whole series of animals are in the nuclear news. Perhaps this is inspired by the fact that the rat-like creature, quote-unquote, otherwise known as a rat, chewed through some wiring and cut the power to the cooling pools at Fukushima two weeks ago, thus putting us on the road to true planetary disaster that was averted only after 30 hours of complete blackout. So what have the other animals been doing in protest against nuclear? Well, in a compilation, this from David Lockbaum of the Nuclear Safety Project, from All Things Nuclear, from the Union of Concerned Scientists, a pelican started an emergency diesel generator. A bird caused a shutdown after it landed in the switchyard containing electrical cables connecting the plant to its off-site electrical power grid. A snake slithering onto an overhead power cable caused a short that caught the wooden pole holding the cable on fire. A large number of small forage fish blocked the screens at the intake structure of a nuclear power plant. Mayflies caused a power transformer to short out. A squirrel caused an electrical short in the main power transformer. And, of course, our heroes here at Nuclear Hot Seat, bunches of jellyfish numerous times have blocked the screens on the intake section of nuclear power plants, thus causing them to shut down leading us to believe that if a bunch of spineless jellyfish can shut down nuclear plants, what's wrong with the rest of us? Other animals in the nuclear news this week. In Milan, more than 2,000 kilometers away from Chernobyl, 27 samples of wild boar tongues and diaphragms from the 2012-2013 hunting season have been analyzed and found to contain elevated levels of cesium-137 that are consistent with a nuclear accident. A mobile screening laboratory has been set up to test bores in the region. The land and water will be checked by the ecologic branch of the Carabinieri Police Force. And health protection units are checking all products from the region, foraged foods, wild fruit, mushrooms, milk, and cheese. I wonder if the Italians could be imported to teach the EPA and the FDA lessons and how to protect the citizens of this country from radiation in food. Out of Japan, it's now known that a species of shellfish has disappeared along an 18-mile stretch of coast near Japan's devastated Fukushima nuclear plant. Other shellfish species, try saying that three times real fast, were found in the alert zone, but their numbers had declined and high levels of radioactive materials were detected in them. It is believed that these are the result of radiation from the damaged nuclear power plant. Ya think? think? And this note, Hawaiian farmers have started feeding goats and cows with sodium boron to reduce the possible radiation in their milk. We'll have a story in the future on the die-offs that are happening in the Pacific and washing up on the coasts of Southern California of sea lions and seals. We do not know that this is connected definitely to radiation. It is suspect. Now to focus a bit on San Onofre. On the eve of a retrial, the operators of San Onofre, Southern California Edison, reached a monetary settlement on Monday, March 11, with a former inspector who claims she got cancer from leaking radiation at the plant. In a joint statement, both sides said the unpredictability of a second jury trial and the declining health of 44-year-old Rung Si Tang made a settlement advantageous. One of Tang's attorneys, Suzelle Smith, said Tang is, quote, delighted with the outcome. She went on to say, she is still recovering from her bone marrow transplant, and a second trial would have been very taxing on her. James Riccio, co-author of a nationwide report scalding the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for alleged laxity in overseeing the nuclear industry, said, Edison says it is not admitting liability but a settlement is certainly a tacit admission that the other side had a very strong case. Tang worked as an NRC inspector at San Onofre during a period in 1985 and 86 in which the plant was plagued with defective fuel rods and fuel fleas, microscopic particles of radiation that seeped into supposedly safe areas of the plant. As we get into our interview about San Onofre, a little bit of an update from sanonofresafety.org and that is that Southern California Edison wants the NRC to approve lowering San Onofre safety standards in order to expedite a restart of their defective Unit 2 nuclear reactor. If approved by the NRC, Edison would be able to restart their defective Unit 2 without the rigors of a thorough license amendment and public adjudicatory hearing on the San Onofre safety issues. The lead inspector at San Onofre, Greg Warner, has said that no technology exists to detect steam generator tube radiation leaks until after they occur. And there is no way to test an operating steam generator. They can only do computer simulations. So, that's a little bit of background on today's interview. I spoke with Gary Hedrick, who, along with his wife Lori, founded San Clemente Green, which was initially a broad-based, ecological, green-focused group in Southern California. But after Fukushima, they shifted focus and put in the bulk of their time and energy to battling the San Onofre nuclear power plant. Both nuclear reactors have been offline now since January 31st of 2012. That's right, since last year because of the faulty redesigned steam generators that had been in place for less than two years and showed the equivalent of 20 years' worth of wear. Very scary. SCE, Southern California Edison, the owner-operators of San Onofre, have been doing everything in their power to game the NRC and their ratepayers by twisting language in their presentations, manipulating public meetings, calling in chits from those in their political debt, spreading confusion about the issues, and, let's face it, lying. Latest is word that SCE is willing to submit to an NRC licensing hearing. Now, that sounds like a win for our side, doesn't it? Let's hear what Gary Hedrick has to say about it, and then listen in as I get some additional informational tidbits from him that I wasn't expecting.
1: Gary What the latest maneuverings, what the latest manipulations are on the part of Southern California Edison regarding their planned restart of San Onofre?
2: The recent news really actually shows just how transparent Edison is becoming. It's surprising that they're actually saying that they want safety first, as usual, and then they admit that they want to avoid any delays caused by an adjudicated license amendment hearing. So they've proposed that they might submit to a regular license amendment, meaning they want to circumvent any close scrutiny for the benefit of starting as soon as possible and obviously putting safety second. So that's kind of a new level of transparency. They just openly admit that in public. So
1: they are admitting to the fact that they want a simpler process so that they don't get scrutiny and they can start sooner to put us all at risk.
2: Right. The proposal they have in mind avoids the introduction of outside testimony or independent experts.
1: That would be the adjudicated hearing that the activists in Southern California, what we've all been calling for, what we've all been demanding through the NRC, that it be put to the equivalent of a trial.
2: So They've been very successful in confusing the public with this proposal. And again, I'm saying they're only considering a license amendment. So the terminology is very subtle. Most people would think, "Oh boy, you know, we got what we want." But nothing could be further from the truth because That was
1: my response when I first read it and I made an an incorrect post on Facebook saying, "Woohoo, look, we got it." When we haven't really gotten anything. It it sounds like what they're doing is to use the advertising clichés, running it up the flagpole to see who salutes, trying to find out whether this is going to fly or or whether or not before they actually take the move.
2: Right. It's very dangerous what they're proposing, actually, not only because they're confusing everyone. It's a very easy mistake to make. But if they succeed, they could get approval from the NRC and this quicker process. And the NRC is saying, well, we would still, as the public, we'd still have an opportunity to have hearings further down the road, but it would be after they restart these defective reactors. They act like, "Oh, well, you're still going to get your chance to talk, but it will be after the fact, so it's very um dangerous that they want to rush through this, and it makes no sense to the just to the average person once you get through the disguise they've created and confusion about an adjudicated license amendment hearing which we want, or the standard license amendment that they've used in the past. they use it as a ploy to create this p r effect. It's something they've done in the past, and they're using the same old tricks again, it looks like.
1: What is the best stance for those of us who are standing firm and fighting against the restart of San Onofre? What is the best stance, what is the best action for us to take at this time to counter what they're doing?
2: Well, as far as San Clemente Green's activities, the most effective thing we've been able to do is rally the troops to the point where So many people show up at our events that we're hard to ignore. And the other thing that really works well is just being rational human beings, discussing something that's important that threatens us all, and being respectful the way we present our ideas and not being too radical but being very firm and knowing that we have the truth on our side makes a pretty powerful audience. You know, when we're presenting our materials, none of us are pros at this you know we just are speaking the truth and from the heart and i think it's very effective
1: when is the next time
2: for the public to engage with
1: the nrc and southern california edison on this issue
2: the next nrc meeting so-called public meeting about uh, something in our area was actually taking place in maryland again
1: Oh, of course, it's just around the corner. Let's just hop in the bus and get down there.
2: Right. We appreciate that. Well, at least we can go th- go in through um, the Internet, and they might take our phone calls. But it's nothing like when they're here, and I don't think they like to see us face-to-face, to tell you the truth. But there are matters of logistics. They promise to come back to our area sometime before a final decision is made. So we'll be prepared for that, and we'll make the most of the opportunity on April 3rd to participate via the internet and phones.
1: Is there another aspect of this that you feel we need to cover, that we should cover, that can be a message reaching out to either rally the troops or or anything else?
2: In San Juan Capistrano, the headquarters for the Capistrano Unified School District, there was a meeting that we called for in order to consider a resolution about this very topic about the license amendment versus the adjudicated license amendment, and we were very pleased that uh, the school district would take this on and this for the sake of the children and all that so we were asked and invited to make a presentation and several of us came out it was really a good turnout gave excellent presentations, but the results of the meeting were surprisingly negative after We had given such a great presentation and had such a good turnout. And what actually was the cause of that, these board members that had indicated a willingness to sign a resolution were invited to a tour at Edison. And somehow that tour was enough to influence all their thinking. Well, two out of seven kept strong and wanted the resolution passed. But all the other ones were influenced by Edison in such a strong way that it became apparent early on in the evening that we weren't going to get what we wanted. The point of all this is how much power and influence Edison has over even a school district, You know, where their concern is for safety. You would think they would have no problem signing such a resolution, especially the way we presented it. So I'm not sure what they uh, are serving at these tours, but it's very effective, and it ended up giving Edison an opportunity after all of our testimony to answer questions that were scripted by Edison and a few individuals, you know, I'm speculating there, of course, but the way the questioning came after the public comments.
1: Questioning by who to who?
2: When the board of directors or the trustees were allowed to ask more questions and discuss what they heard from the public, they immediately asked the SCE representative to come up and answer a few more questions. And... One trustee in, in particular was well-versed in all of the points that Edison wanted to make. And so the questions were of a nature that Edison just got these easy opportunities to suggest that all this was going to be safe and that the people in the audience were being emotional and that we have to deal with facts, not emotions. And- oh,
1: and emotions are such facts. Speaking as somebody who was on the front lines at Three Mile Island, you can't have that happen without getting emotional.
2: It's terrible. We're actually kind of being accused of using the children's safety as a ploy. As if, like, the parents of Newtown were using those children as a way to get to the new gun legislation. I mean, it's so insulting and unfair and yet what's wrong with being concerned about the children and being there to lobby for their interests?
1: Two things come to mind. First of all, it would be great to get one of us on the inside of one of those tours just to find out what's being said and what's being manipulated. And secondly, it sounds like the questions that they were being asked and the answers they were given were in direct opposition to what we know to be the truth. Right. And there's got to be a way to break through because obviously they've seen us making progress with city councils and school boards, so that's where they have now put the attention of their extremely high-paid PR representatives.
2: Right. That's exactly how it is. It's uh, it's kind of painful to watch having been silenced after our portion of the meeting was done to not be able to rebut some of these things that Edison uh, knew they could speak in public and not have to be challenged afterward
1: yeah last one to speak who isn't challenged is the impression that stays Mm
2: -hmm. Uh so
1: my answer when people say emotional or the other word is alarmist i like to point out that you cannot go through the notification that oops there's a problem with the nuclear plant down the block sorry about that you can't go through that without getting extremely emotional in a way that doesn't go away quickly. And after being an alarmist, you know who else was an alarmist? Paul Revere. And I think we're there calling out the warning. It's not the British are coming. It's that the nukes could be malfunctioning, and we need to take steps now. And if that's being an alarmist, I will honorably embrace that label, because people deserve to be alarmed about them.
2: That's a good way to put it. It's really the situation in a nutshell.
1: So, what's next for San Clemente Green, given that we have seen the recent deploys by SEE to try and get their way yet again
2: by bullying us? I'm glad you asked because the follow up to that meeting is that, in a way, it turned out good for us. We had a great opportunity to get our voices heard in the media and the vote was never really taken about whether to sign the resolution or not. They tabled it for a future date. So we still have an opportunity to meet with individual, the trustee members, and I think that could have some effect because we'll have our chance to rebut Edison, at least in, in a meeting with them. So we'll be back, and we'll try to get that established and made right.
1: Well, I look forward to hearing further what you're doing, and when I can, driving down to Orange County and joining with you and the others down there who are fighting so hard to keep San Onofre shut and get that thing offline.
0: We thought the interview was over, but as we chatted, Gary laid a bombshell on me. First, a quote from former NRC chairman Gregory Yasko, and after that, news about a shift in the power structure in the hearings at San Onofre.
2: In a recent interview with Chairman Yasko, the previous chairman to the NRC, he stated that when the utilities ask for something, when they make their desires known to the NRC, the chairman is expected to make it happen. And that's the culture that he had to work in, and that's really the reason why he left. Now I'm seeing Elmo Collins resign unexpectedly, and uh, they're calling it a retirement, but it certainly was a sudden retirement.
1: I just found the story. It, I mean, it hasn't made big news.
2: I Art mean, Howell
1: is going to take off. That, I think, is good news. He's an engineer.
2: Yeah, and he's been asking very aggressive questions about the processes and not giving Edison any breaks. I think the you know, technology staff are going at each other behind closed doors, but... Impressed I have it. this is a good step.
0: So, Elmo Collins of the NRC, on four days' notice, resigns. You know what they say, rats are always the first off a sinking ship. But Art Howell, a man known not to suffer fools even lightly, who asks hard questions, is suddenly the man in charge of, if not making the decision, at least making the recommendation to the NRC commissioners this is a piece of good news for us. Finally, Gary passed along word the Chairman Yasko is in the process of writing a book, which, based on the quote that was shared, hopefully will be a tell-all about what it's really like inside the NRC. That was Gary Hedrick of San Clemente Green. If you want to know what's going on in a blow-by-blow fashion in Southern California, and this is the model... For possible challenges to licenses in other parts of the country, you can subscribe to the group's frequent newsletter with all the inside information, sanclementegreen.org. I just fill in the proper boxes. Here's the final thought: We need to laugh. We need humor. We need music. We need entertainment in this movement if we're going to keep it together in the long run. I know in the last week I was grateful to be able to laugh myself silly at a 1979 Saturday Night Live send-up of Three Mile Island. I've also been sent links to some songs that will be coming up in future podcasts. So this is a shout-out to all of you listeners. If you know about and have links to any song about nuclear, if there are comedy routines you know about, sketches, anything up on YouTube or iTunes, especially if you've got a bead on something George Carlin may have said about nuclear, let me know. Send it to me at info at and I will work them into future podcasts. By the way, I will be posting a link to that Saturday Night Live sketch on the website nuclearhotseat.com. Forward slash blog. For now, this has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, April 2nd, 2013. Material for this week's Nuclear Hot Seat came from enenews.com, What Would We Do Without You, Healthline.com, Joe Mangano and Dr. Janet Sherman, Montreal Gazette, Dianukes.org, Asahi.com, Kyoto News, David Lockbaum and All Things Nuclear from the Union of Concerned Scientists, World Crunch, UPI, L.A. Times, CBSLA.com, SanClementeGreen.org, SanOnoFresSafety.org, the Capistrano Dispatch, and the ever-popular, ever-vigilant Nuclear Hot Seat Facebook team with a special shout-out to Greg Penzica. As I promised, we're going out on music in honor of the passing from the pedestal of the NRC's Elmo Collins. Remember that Nuclear Hot Seat is a completely volunteer project with ongoing expenses. So if you like what you hear and you want to support me, please do. You can donate by going to the homepage at NuclearHotSeat.com, scrolling down, hitting the Donate button, and just follow the prompts after that. You can find all of our podcasts, 94 podcasts, can you believe this? Post it on NuclearHotSeat.com forward slash blog, and you can get the entire library on iTunes Podcasts. And if you have a story lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email to info at nuclearhotseat.com. We're going out on music in honor of the passing from the pedestal of the NRC's Elmo Collins. But for now, this is Lee B. Halevy of Heartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call now. Do not go back to sleep.
2: This is the song, la 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 la, Elmo song, la 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 la, la 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 la, Elmo song. I like it. La la la, la 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 la. think he wrote this along?
1: La la la, la 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 la. Catchy. He
2: loves to sing, la 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 la, Elmo song. Oh, we sing La la.